And welcome back to another edition of Talking Ball with the Czar. I'm Emery Hunt, the Czar of the Playbook. You can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. And if you listen to this podcast on iTunes, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Today, I'm glad to be joined by Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman Brandon Jackson. I appreciate you taking time, man. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you for having me. Well, you really came on last year for the Seahawks, man, and, and all it took was an opportunity. You know, being on the practice squad to get, you know, I know that's probably tough because you're you're trying to figure out your way and, and how to get on the field. But once you got out there, you proved that you belong. How was that process for you? And, and is that a little bit unique as far as going into the pros as opposed to when you got to college, you know, redshirting and then getting out there on the field? Yeah, man, it's just, it's it's, it's real unique situation. The thing is, I would, I went through it twice, two years in a row, you know, rookie year coming undrafted, going to Oakland and starting off on the practice squad for uh, half of the season before I'm being uh, moved to the active squad, you know, playing a, a few reps here and there, but nothing like what happened in Seattle. You know, I was on the practice squad for Seattle and they signed me week, week, week three, going into week three. I was on the practice squad week three, week four. I was activated and playing about 30 snaps against a uh, divisional opponent. So, it was a surreal feeling, a feeling that came real faster than uh, faster than I expected, and um, it was a testament to the, the the teams. The team, Seattle was all about opportunities, opportunistic football team. And when you playing and you balling and you doing good, they reward you. And you know, I remember I came in there, I came in there hungry. I was practicing like everything was a game because, like I said, I I went through it before. I knew my way, my quickest way was gonna be able to show show them I can do something on, you know, against the stars and things like that while I'm servicing those guys. So. That's what I did. That's what happened. And, I mean, they gave me my opportunity. And now, I mean, I'm on an active roster now, and I just got to stay there. How t- how tough is it, you know, to stay uh, to stay ready, you know, when you're just waiting for that opportunity? Because let- let's say when you're in college, you know, and let's say they say, okay, you're going to redshirt. So, okay, I understand that I'm redshirt and I can go out here and-, and get my practice on, knowing that, no, nine times out of ten, I'm not going to be forced into action. But when you're you're in the NFL and you're on the practice squad, you really got to legit stay ready in order to to get that opportunity. How how tough is that process? Uh, I, I don't think it's it's too tough because it's a I, I, I you learn real quick in, in in NFL that if you're not pulling your weight, whether it be a practice squad guy or a guy who's on active roster expected to make plays, they'll they'll get rid of you. You know, it's a it's a what have you do, what can you do for me now type of league. And um, also, I feel like. You know, you get to the NFL, this is the best of the best. This is the highest level of football that we have here. And anyone who comes from college should have the mindset, especially if you are a big-time player in, in college at your respective school, you should have the mindset that you want to come to the NFL, you want to play. And that was my thing. It was never hard for me to practice hard because I want to play. I'm used to playing since high school, uh, college, everything. I've always been a player, a player that the teams counted on, coaches counted on to make plays. So when I came in, and it was on a practice squad. It was an unfamiliar uh, feeling being there just practicing again. Like you said, the closest thing I had to that was a redshirt year. But I, I don't like the way it sat. I know you don't redshirt in, in uh, the NFL. They don't just let you sit and practice and and promise you that you're going to play next year. So uh, it wasn't too hard because I was a competitor. And I, I seen guys up there I thought I could uh, replace and I could do things better than them. And I just wanted to prove it. And uh, I'm a competitor, so I, I just compete. How, how was that? I know you probably saw – um, guys that came in the same way you came in and they didn't have that same hunger. You know, it probably was humbling for them to, to wait, wait a minute. I'm not the, I'm not the guy, I'm not the star. And he had to pick back up where they left off uh, coming from high school to college. 
did you see some of that happen in the NFL with guys that came in as undrafted free agents that are that are probably out the league because they didn't bring that same hunger? Absolutely, I've seen it day in and day out. Especially when I was in, actually, I've seen it more so in Seattle than I was in um, in Oakland. I feel like Oakland, we had a good group of uh, rookies in general, including the uh, uh, the um, undrafted free agents. So we kind of stuck. But here in Seattle, with that revolving door, with them searching for talent and having that high expectation, you know, and looking for competitors to help them win. They, I, I seen guys come in and out, be active for a week, deactivated and released, and things like that, back and forth, back and forth. So, uh, yeah, like you said, it's a humbling experience mentally more than anything. It, it just messes with you coming in and having to sit and having to practice and knowing that there's no way they can't, you know, in college, they can pull you right off the bench without telling anybody, like, you know what, his red shirt is burnt. We just pulled him in. We needed him. In the NFL, you have a certain time period where they have to announce whether they're going to play a guy, you know. So, you know, you know, going into this, the week that you're not going to, you're not getting called up, you know, once it gets to about Friday. So uh, it's a humbling experience and mentally it messes with you more than anything. But like, like you said, I've seen a lot of people who were special talents in college who just didn't come as hungry or de- didn't come mentally prepared and they were released. And I mean, I'm not sure some of them had made it made it on other teams. Some of them were just out of the league completely. It, that's the thing about the league, man. It's, it's crazy. I cover the Giants a lot out here, and I, and I see guys come in and guys go. And it's, it's just weird to see it because, you know, in college I feel as though it's more, you know, a process. And it's like, let's say, technique-driven and then also ultimately scheme. But I feel like in the NFL it's mostly scheme-driven. And so it focuses you to, you know, really focus on the, on the film and not necessarily have technique. I, I think they expect you to have technique. Is that true? And and how much of the league is is uh, scheme driven or technique driven? Um, I, I feel like a lot of it is is it's, it's 50 50. Well, really, I would say about 70 30 scheme over technique, simply because once once they once you get here, they expect you to be the player you're in college. They expect you to make the play. They expect you to have that technique, like you said. And um, now it's all about the mental side of the game, you know. You you they you you should come in with the technique. They yes they have to fine tune some things, and there's some players who they might take longer on. You know what I mean? But for the most part, you, you got to come in here and you got to be confident and understand the position you play and how you play that position. That's why they drafted you. That's why they signed you. That's why they gave you the opportunity they gave you. And the rest of it now is mentally figuring out how to use your skills to um to defeat an opponent. But sometimes technique goes out the window when a person knows the other person's a scheme, you know what I mean? Like when you know mm-hmm. where you're going, they're not going to be so, they're not going to hound you much as doing everything technically sound if they know that you understand the scheme of the defense. You know how to play within a defense so you can be uncoordinated and be quirky and things like that and make make plays. So that's when you see the special players, the Javion Clownies, the ones who, you if you look at them fundamentally sound, it's not there, but he's just an amazing talent. Now that's a great example because you're right. He's not the most fundamentally sound, but amazing talent. So they kind of give that 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 leeway to him. It's interesting because I remember going from high school to college, and the biggest adjustment I had to make was the film study. Because you know, in high school, you really don't watch film, um, and, and now in in college, I was like, man, I really you had to, you have to watch practice. Um, and so in the league, what's the difference between the film prep that goes into a college football player as opposed to the film prep that you put in now as an NFL player? Uh, I think that a, the college player, the typical college player looks at film and they're looking at their, they're not so much looking at the entire opponent. They're looking at their matchup. 
You know, mm. so you go out and you look at your patch. Like, but if I'm playing right in, I know I got to go against this tackle. I'm looking to see at how many ways he was beat on the inside move, outside move, how many times, how many sacks he gave up, what moves work against him, things like that. So I'm, I'm worried about my individual matchup. In the league, you have to worry about the whole scheme of things. It's not so much an individual person. Because just because a guy may have hit a chop spin and got a sack on this man doesn't mean that that was solely based off th this person's skill and this person's um, messed up footwork or something like that. It could have just been that particular particular play when they lined up in that formation. They were running the opposite way, and he knew that when they go away, when they go opposite, this guy plays lazy, so I can beat him here if I sell this things like that. So it it comes a collective thing, and the offensive line groups are so much better that they cover for each other. So just like you knowing your individual matchups, um, his faults isn't so much going to get you a win because that, like I said, if you're going against that tackle, sometimes that guard understands that he has a, a soft inside foot. So he's going to set heavier outside and he'll be waiting for you to come in there and knock your head off. So like I said, you got to understand more than just winning your individual battle. You got to understand the entire scheme and the formation checks and the hand signals and what uh, the tendencies, you know what I mean? Play the tendency and things like that. So. It's just a, it's a wider variety of things you have to focus on when you're studying in the NFL compared to in the, uh, college. Right, because you know you figure in college, you know you have class and stuff like that. But you know NFL is all football, and that's all they got to do is game plan on how to beat you. So you're absolutely right on that. Um, I, I think was was you know really underrated about you is that when you were coming out of Texas Tech, I think people look at Texas Tech in the Big Twelve and say oh they don't have defense, but I think, in a way, it kind of helps prepare uh, prepare you for what you're going to be doing in the NFL. I think you're kind of prep for for that because of how you've played and what you've played against. Uh, seeing all those passing offenses and things like that kind of worked on your your ability to get after the quarterback. Would you say Texas Tech and also playing in the Big Twelve in a way helped prepare you for the NFL? Yeah, I, I always get it based on the time when people downgrade the Big Twelve, and I tell them, you know, if we don't have about four or five teams leave the league. We're the number one team. The SEC is good because A and M and everyone went over there, but that's another story. <laughs> right. But, uh, right. <laughs> the thing, the thing about Texas Tech, Texas Tech definitely prepared me in 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 what in some ways that I wish it hadn't. For example, you know, I I was there for five years. I registered one year. Was there for I had five different D coordinators. So you, wow. <laughs> so you know, I, that, I'm learning five different D coordinators, five different schemes, five different ways. So in in essence, it taught me. Like the league, you know, you can be on a different team. Me being undrafted, I can, like I said, I've played for two teams already. You know what I'm saying? So the thing about me is I, and intellectually, I'm a lot smarter than the average football player because I've had to learn in college several different schemes and, and be coached by several different type of players. You know what I mean? And I, and I was able to withstand that and start for the uh, majority of my career. And then playing in the Big 12, like you said, the league is a pass-heavy league now. That's why you see some of these great running backs not getting the respect they should, they deserve, and the, the respect that they would have got if they played five years ago, mm -hmm. now nowadays that you know the quarterback is the highlight, and they, I mean they've always been a highlight, but it's even more so now. And the league is so pass friendly that you got to be able to pass, pass rush. And playing in that Big Ten, yeah, there's, there's some pass rushers in there, but they don't do it on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? And in the Big Twelve, they gonna spread you out five wides, sideline to sideline, and basketball on court, and then on top of that, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a uh, fast tempo. So you're gonna have to think on a run and be able to move. So I feel like just uh, players in the, in the Big 12 in general get a little downplayed, and I feel like I was definitely slept on a lot, and a lot, of, a lot of things now are starting to show, and I contribute that to Texas Tech and playing in the Big 12. 
Yeah, that's the thing, man. Either you're going to be in shape or you're going to get blown out because y'all going to be on the field for a lot of plays on on, on defense, man. When, when you came out of college and even now in the, in the league, man, what, what part of your game do you feel as though is being vastly underrated? Uh, I, I think that my uh, my pass wrestling ability and my strength has been underrated. I like the fact that my strength is underrated. You know, they, they call me a tweener. And I, and I always laugh when someone says that because I'm not a tweener. I'm, I'm just a football player. I play – I can play it any way. I can play at any position. I'm a defensive lineman, not a defensive end or a defensive tackle. You mm-hmm. know, so the, I, you know, and then I'm a leaner. I'm, I'm, I'm lean. The way I, I'm built, you would never think that I'm closer to 300 pounds. So you know, you come off a lot of times, and those guards or tackles are just looking and they're playing for speed, and I can hit them with some power right now and wake them up real quick. So <laughs> that works to my advantage. Uh, you know, but I had to fight the uphill battle. Just people just. Thinking that then uh, the whole tweener thing, like, oh, we're, I, we don't know if he can play. Where where he's going to play? And I'm like, man, I'm a football player. I can I gain and lose weight faster than anybody you've ever met in your life, and I can sustain it when I'm at. You know what I mean? So, uh, I think I was just I was slept on with how strong I actually am, how strong I'm on the field, and how smart I am. And then that's the one thing that you know I get around coaches, and they start to realize that mentally, I I, I was trained in the right way by my coach Mike Smith, who's now with Kansas City, but he mentally got me prepared for the NFL and. There's just there's not a lot of things to get by me when it comes to film stuff. You can tell me one thing, and I I pretty much remember that for the rest of the uh, rest of the day and things like that. You don't have to, you don't have to correct me twice on a lot of things that some players just mentally don't have that. And I think that's my my biggest asset. And that's why I'm able to play defensive end, right and left. You can't you know a lot of players just play one side. I play both sides. I can play left tech uh, three technique and right three technique. You can put me in the speed package, put me at nose because I I, I understand. I understand the defensive line in general, and I understand how to make my body work in my advantage. See, that's what I hate about the draft process because you're absolutely right. I was sitting at the uh, at one of the All Star games, and you know, there's talk amongst a group of people that were sitting in front of me about this kid from Ole Miss and what position do you think he's best suited? I'm like defense. Like every time I look up the dude in the backfield, like. Put him. I don't care where you lie. Where you play defense. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just hate that. Like you, you two seventy five. Like, who cares what, what position? You know, you you have to play. You six four two seventy five. Like you play defense. I don't. Yeah. You know, as long as you're making plays, that should be the only thing that that matters. That's why probably landing in Seattle is the ideal fit. How is it playing on that defense and with that organization? Man, it's it's great, and you can see why they've been great for so long because they're one of the teams that get it. They're one of the teams that took players and they they, they didn't they, they trusted what they seen and they say, you know what, he's a playmaker. You know, who would have thought Richard Sherman would have turned out the way he was? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No one still understands how Michael Bennett goes undrafted. With the stats he had in college, how he goes undrafted is beyond me. But, you know, Tampa Bay gave him his chance and then they, they allowed him to slip through their fingers and he came back to, he came to Seattle, which is where he got his original start at. His original uh, rookie minicamp was in Seattle. So, you know, they got him back here, and then he blew up to be a future Hall of Famer, things like that. It's, it's just it's it's just the culture. They got the right people around, and they've done it long enough. And then the respect that they have around the league helps incoming players come. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to be a part of the Legion of Boom and be a part of the greatness, so you don't have to convince people to play hard. And that's the one thing they got going for them. And like I said, it's an opportunistic football team, so you, you – you're surrounded by players who are just a testament of undrafted players like Doug Baldwin. We already talked about uh, Michael Bennett. Just players who just got their opportunity and made the most of it. So I feel like some players, they come into a situation in Seattle and they're a little bit more excited at the opportunity of, you know what I mean, achieving their dreams as though if you go to a place like, um, I don't know, 
Indiana, Indianapolis Colts where they have players who stay there for a long time. And you know what I mean? You don't see as many young people getting a chance and things like that. So, yeah, I, I mean, feel, it's just great. I feel like the, the the Seahawks are like the, the football version of the Spurs. Like they get guys yeah. that just ball out, you know, and, and, you know, yeah. it may not look conventional, but it's effective. Um, you live by the slogan. I like the slogan you live by. It's, it's called uh, football save me. You know, yeah. that that's a deep saying, man. What does that mean? And, and what is it about football that you love the most? Man, you know what? I love football. I, it's, it's hard. I'm, so I'm going to explain it. The reason why I live by football saved me is because I had a I had a brother, a stepbrother who had died. He was murdered. I had an uncle who was real close to me who died uh, of natural causes, best friends who died. And it, it seemed like the people closest to me were dying. And growing up where I came from, I, I seen a lot of people were shot and killed. And the I only thing I could think of, like I said, when my little brother got shot, he got shot in my grandmother's backyard. That had nothing to do with him. That was a bullet, a straight bullet that came through the bushes, you know? Mm. And I feel like the only reason I wasn't at my grandma's house at that time, because I was at football practice. Like, I've had, you know, an older brother who got into some trouble, and people come looking for him and shoot up the house. The only reason I wasn't in the house where I could have potentially been shot was because I was at football practice. Every time I look at it, when I'm losing someone important to me, the reason why I wasn't in that situation was because I was at football practice or doing something that has to do with football. So I just look at it like, man, I really it took it took me to college to realize like when I had lost my brother, I, my little brother, I said, man, I, football really saved me because I would be doing some of the same things or hanging out in the same places, and whether I was doing wrong or right, I could be just at the wrong at the wrong place at the wrong time, and 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 my life could be gone, you know. And the only reason it's not because football keeps me on a schedule, it keeps me away from uh, bad bad vibes and things like that. So. That's kind of what that whole saying means to me. I, I appreciate football. I appreciate the game because it demands so much time out of you. And if you really love the game, you'll invest your time and demand so much time out of you that you can't really you can't really get into too much trouble. I mean, at the end of the day, we're human. We can have human nature. You can fall off track and do something like that. But when you're really invested in being great and invested in, uh, you know, proving people wrong and making your name a household name like I am, I don't really have too much time to hang out with people who are doing opposite of what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Especially when I'm over here trying to steal game from Michael Bennett and the rest of these great players. <laughs> nah, that's true, though. I mean, and football is, is – you're absolutely right, man, because if you think about it, if you think about the, the schedule, let's say, of a collegiate football player and, you know, how that is from 5 a.m. all the way damn into 9 p.m. Um, so you're not in – you're not – you don't have time to get in trouble because you're trying to be great. At, at the league level, you have all day to be great because, you, again, you don't have – you have to focus on it. Otherwise, you're going to be – out of the league and, and football is just that that game man i think i don't think a lot of people understand that um and they don't understand how football is also probably the best teaching tool that we have in this world what, what would you say is the biggest thing football taught you time management is probably the biggest thing like i said you just have to invest so much time you got to be able to balance it all like if you really think about it you you it, let's go to the nfl you're in the nfl and you have you're, you're at work all day some people have families you got to come home spend time to be a father, uh, find time to be a wife. In the off season, when you have more time, like right now, you got a lot of families pull you this way and that way. At the same time, you have your personal wants. You want to go out and enjoy yourself and do things like that. If you have a lady, you got to tend to her. So you get pulled every which way. At the same time, you got to remember that you know you better not end up on that bottom ticket. So there's a lot of things you got to prioritize, and there's a lot of things you have to cut out and sacrifice and not do. And I think time management is the most important thing that football has taught me. Um, coming up, and I know, like, whenever I was coming out of college, I was like, man, I don't know. I had to have that backup plan, so I was I was interning with, um, doing ride-alongs with the police officer in Lubbock, and they were telling me, it was like, man, 
the one thing that we know you can do is take take uh take care of your time and you can handle your business because you played football. And that's something they always taught you. I was like, yeah. So I think that's the most important thing that any football athlete can learn and take heed of is time management. The way you have to be, especially in college, when you got to balance school, football, and then your uh, social life. So it's going to teach you to sacrifice things. It's going to teach you to prioritize a lot earlier than most uh, people. Man, you ain't lying, man. I, it's funny because you find yourself getting paranoid around people that's wasting time. Like, man, I, like, I got to be doing something. Like, you you know, yeah. this thing got to be on point. It's supposed to start at 8. Why we not start at 745? You know what I'm saying? So I definitely feel you on that. Well, Brandon, listen, man, this has been fun, dude. I could talk to you for hours. Where, where can people follow you on social media to continue to follow you on this journey as you continue to etch your name in stone in the NFL? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's you can follow me on Twitter at B9Jack. I believe that's it. Let me make sure, double check, because <laughs> I'm not the biggest uh, social media social media guy. I'm just now starting to take advantage of that. But, yeah, you can, follow me. Me, you can follow me. I'm oh, sorry. You can follow me on Twitter at BJack9TTU. And you can follow me on Instagram at B9Jack. Yo, you, we play, I played at Louisiana Lafayette, right? And yeah. I, I got to ask this of you. Because when we played Texas Tech, I want to say my – sophomore year was in Lubbock. Now, do they still throw the tortillas on the field? Man, it's the most beautiful thing ever to throw the tortillas. <laughs> you know, it's funny because the word <laughs> I never understood that when I walked in there. I said, what is these things flying through the air? But then we played LSU in a uh, ball game, and there's a picture they caught with the tortillas flying in the air right before the kickoff. It was beautiful. <laughs> I also heard some bad stories. I just seen a guy, we were losing to Oklahoma State, and he was talking trash. He picks up a tortilla and bites it. And I look at him like, do you know how they got those tortillas in here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird tradition, but it's, it's great. If you've been to Lubbock and you love that, that that's something funny. Yo, that's, that's a bit. I was like, yo, what the hell are they throwing on the field? I'm like, oh, my God, that's tortillas. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where it comes from or why they started that. <laughs> I don't even want to find out. Like, it, yeah. it may be one of the things you don't want to find out. Yeah, right. It might be because senior sat. It might be because of him. I don't know. Maybe Mexican heritage. I don't know. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Brad, dude, I appreciate you taking time, and we wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thank you very much. I appreciate that.